You're not watching it right. What was going on with Palpatine's son or Palpatine's clone? Wait, this is supposed to be entertaining? I'm kind of bored. No, I'm pretty sure this is the same guy. <laughs> this is awesome! Welcome to the Harmonica Brothers Variety Show. We now join this week's conversation already underway. Actually, that reminds me. I don't, I don't know why. Um, I saw this great tweet. I don't have. Let me rephrase. I don't have Twitter, but I've, I I'm on this a couple of uh, subreddits of like Twitter screenshots. You know, white people Twitter, black people Twitter, nerd Twitter. Like the subreddits called those things. And I saw this one on black people Twitter, and it was uh, people who are wearing their mask after getting the vaccine and wearing the mask all the time are the same people who did all the work on group projects and not and got no credit. And I just like I am I like recognize myself in that like so much, and it may just fill me with like the teen angst and like freshman university angst of like holy fuck why aren't isn't anyone else working on this group project that we all need to work on together or we all fail? Uh, I think in in my experience, and we kind of touched on this when we um, discussed this before one of our games on Tuesday, it's like a lot of people just like to do things at the last minute. And so it seems like a lot of people aren't working or aren't going to work because like, at least for me, I like working way ahead of time. You give me an assignment. Okay. Maybe I'm not going to start that day, but like I will start the next day or the day after I want to be able to do things you know, over a period of time so that I can, you know, have lots of time to edit and, you know, think things over. And also I just don't like the feeling of knowing, okay, you have 12 hours and <laughs> you're going to have to power through because, you know, that's all the time you have left. I like to be able to take my time with things. So for me, I think probably if I was more like some of, some of these other people who was willing, who were willing to leave things to the last minute, then maybe there'd be help for the project, but because I start, I like to start much earlier. I'm like the only one working on it. Yeah. I, mean, I was one of the, I was one of those pretentious cunts in university who literally would collect his books, leave them on my desk for like two weeks. And then two nights before they would all be open spread around me. And I would just be picking quotes back and forth. And do the thing by like two o'clock in the morning, be feel like I'm done and then hand it in and get an A. And then it wasn't until, and it wasn't are, until are you just like low key bragging right now. You're like, man, I just, I, I didn't have to try at all. I just like, I, I put like three hours of work into it and I got an A and like, yeah, the old version of me, the old, honestly, undergrad me was uh, undergrad. Me did that just for fun. He would just like wait that. till the last second like because that. you know what? It was it was the most it was the nerdiest thing to get a thrill from was like getting like an A hours before or like finishing the the paper hours before it was due. It was the it was academic skydiving. That's what it was. You're like that, You're like that one dick in high school that like look, I got good grades throughout high school throughout university. Uh, but I worked really hard for my good grades. And I am completely honest about that. You're like that dick in high school who like, I get a 97, they get a 99. And then they say like, shit, like I didn't even study. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. Like, it's like, you don't even want friends. Um, <laughs> but yes, Sam, I was that guy for a while. And then once I got, yeah, no, once I got into my mask, I think it's also because in high school, um, in regards to group projects, we just 
um, we would have different categories of, of students. So teachers knew some students wanted to just be gophers and not be up in front of the class talking. So you'd have the charismatic kids who would like do nothing for the research part of it. You'd have the nerds who would research, research, research. And then you'd have the, you know, the people who were confident would just take that and speak up in front of class and do all, all that side of the work. And it was, and some of the teachers were okay with it because they're like, you know what, you guys are groups, pick your groups, play to your strengths. And it doesn't seem like a fair division of work. Like just doing the presentation, just, just getting up in front of the class and talking seems like, okay, it, it, it might be nerve wracking, but that seems like a lot less work. Well, and actually you tell that to the introverts. You tell that to the introvert who did no, 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 I'm not, it that I'm not, way. I'm, not, I'm an introvert too. I'm not disputing that it would be stressful, but the amount of work that has to go into it seems like it would be less than the amount of work that has to go into actually doing the research. Yeah. Like psyching yourself up does not work for a pre presentation make. Like I was a person who hated presentations. And then it's like, I think a week into DMing for D&D &D, when, when I got into the hobby, like I was like, craving presentations because i became so good at them and like mm. i am still an introverted person i'm still i still identify as that but like the the levels of stress you or the 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 collective you put on a person who is not who is doing the majority of the work in a, in a project even if you if on your shoulders fine but also if that is the case and there's like some sort of group presentation and you have to present and you didn't do any work any work for your group then you're just fucking yourself because a teacher as someone who like ta'd in high school and talks to a lot of teachers and is friends with a lot of teachers like your teacher's gonna notice like oh it's that person is i'm gonna give that person a much lower grade than their comrades again i think that depends on the teacher because in um when I started my master's program, we had to like include our portion of the research into the final packet for, for everything. So we had to basically like hand in our research as well as like pool our research together. So the professor would know who researched what and how much work they actually put into it. So it was, it was a bit like it, it changes over time. And I think it changes at the level of of um, schooling and and all that, but I feel you, Sam. I feel you on uh, anti anti vaxxers basically dragging the class down. Uh, but yes, it's that. But it's also that you seeing you're seeing well, like we're here in Ontario for the listeners, and uh, I think this past Wednesday it was official. Like the vast majority of businesses, private, public, um, or organizations, what have you, now require a vax proof of vaccination. The vaccine card is passport card thing isn't available yet. So you have to print off your proof of vaccination, show you've gotten both shots. And you're seeing now all over again, super long lineups at vac at vaccine centers because people Good. are finally, like buckling in and getting the vaccine. But it's like, fuck me, you've been holding us back. Like we've been stagnated at 78% vaccinated in Canada. And it's fucking because of that. You know, and it's after the election. People don't even decide to get get vaccinated, and then, but with like sky high like turnout. Not to mention, Ontario was going back up towards almost a thousand cases. Yeah, it's so. projected. You don't go over if we don't hit like ninety percent by like the new year. Then there's gonna like the fifth or sixth wave next year is gonna be like devastating.
with well christmas shopping is going to be outrageous this year welcome back to the harmonica brothers variety show how was that for a cold open um we're talking about a couple things uh i think you know a little bit of what if a little bit of star wars visions uh we haven't watched all the star wars visions yet i've seen a few uh kai hasn't seen any matt has seen most of them yes uh, what if which is going to be ending in a couple weeks I think we already see like one or two more episodes and then before they take their break. And Shang-Chi. And Shang-Chi, yes, Shang-Chi. I haven't That's seen it. Right. Fuck DC. None of that shit in this episode. Marvel's dominating. I mean, like, I wish <laughs> I love my DC, but like fuck, there hasn't been a lot of great DC. Apparently, then the current season, the final season of Legend DC's Legends of Tomorrow was pretty good. But um, you know, like DC has been not doing well like did you watch the poison ivy uh uh harley quinn show at all i've watched part of the harley quinn show but i'm not i'm sort of i'm uh, prioritizing live action stuff right? okay. i saw the i watched the first two seasons of harley quinn uh Heard it was great. It was really good. i i thought i thought even the depiction of the joker was really good um mm. I mean, I don't want to say too much because he does undergo a change and I don't want to spoil it. For, I don't know how much of it you've seen, Sam. None. I don't care. Oh, okay. Oh, well, anyways, like um, he becomes a normal guy in season two, uh, <laughs> at least for a while. Um, yeah. After the events of the season one finale. Yeah. He's just, he's just becomes a regular right. Joe. Uh, but um, yeah, it's entertaining. It's entertaining. I haven't yeah. seen season three yet. Hmm. Uh, like, what, what about the third season of Titans? Uh, yeah it's coming out soon it's gonna be adapting like death in the family and under the red hood and a couple things they're bringing in tim drake now uh when they they cast a black i believe he's either black or afro latino um but like and you know obviously the the mob got up in arms um because tim drake is white in the comics but like it batman is probably one of the one of the only super superheroes where you know, you can certainly make the argument, like, yes, because he's a billionaire and a capitalist. You, you, and his or his, his the Waynes are capitalists. He couldn't be black or a woman, but like, it's one of those where, like, him to a certain extent, but also almost all of his like allies and family and rogues gallery, like, none of them are really tied to their race. Like, you couldn't make Red Skull a, a black guy, but you couldn't make, but you could make Iron Man black. You could make, you couldn't make Steve black, but you, you know, you could make Bucky black, things like that. Um, and Tim Drake's a, a black a black kid, but you know I don't think it really matters. It just still doesn't make Titans an awesome show, uh, and you know it's it's a little rough around the edges. It's it can be good if you like if you're a fan of the comics and you you know what you're looking for and and whatever, and you like seeing like some of the costumes and stuff. They have some they need some work though, and I don't agree with all the casting choices either. But you know I don't care for some of the characters at all. Like I do not care for Hawk and Dove at yeah. all. As gorgeous as as Dove is, I mean Yowzers. Yeah, uh, she is a very beautiful woman. And honestly, the, they both great actors. I just don't care for Hawk and Dove as characters. The problem is Hawk and Dove are so like low on the totem pole, and they were only in the Teen Titans for a little bit, and then they are going with the Hank Hall Don Granger one is probably that's the le the the least interesting combination. It goes Hank and Don like they're brothers. And then below that, it's Dawn and her sister, who's the second hawk. And then, and then at the bottom of the tier is Hank and Dawn Granger. Yeah, it's and they're too old too. Like every, I think the youngest of the Titan actors is the girl who plays Raven, and she's like so far like much younger 
than all of the others. Like she's 15. The next person up is like 22. Um, what about yeah. that? Did they cast uh, anybody to play the Joker? Like, are they going to show uh, Jason Todd's cast, death at the end? They're, they're, they, they're showing his death. And then like, yeah, it's in all the trailers. It's just kind of yeah, but Are they showing Joker or are they just kind of showing like. The Joker is there, but I think it's, I'm the, he is not going to be in the show. It's just like a body double. Um, mm. Like a silhouette. And then like, I a, will say smile. it is cool that they're in the same, essentially in the same universe as DC's doom patrol, which is a show I definitely want to watch. Yeah, uh, because I loved the books back in the day when it was uh, Grant Morrison doing the writing, and it was just such a wonderfully, beautifully bizarre book. Yeah, and I've heard Doom Patrol. It's you know. highly recommend it, guys. But also, I actually got into the Doom Patrol in the late '90s when Daniel Arcuna, Arcuda or Arcuna, I think it was was writing it, and there was a I don't know the dude's name. I can never pronounce it. It was he was an Asian um, Asian artist. He had the most fascinating and interesting dynamic art style I had seen in so long. I gobbled up that book every week, and I loved the character designs in that. I'll I'll link you guys so that you can see what I'm talking about. But I I would uh, that that version has never come out in trade paperback, and it's pissed me off. But it's it was a phenomenal run. Uh, Doom Patrol is always one of those weird groups that you could do so many interesting stories with. So I think it's good that they got the show, but they really, th I think they could have been a good balance to Marvel's uh, Guardians of the Galaxy instead of, instead of Suicide Squad. I mean, Suicide Squad, I think it has more mass appeal, but getting that weirdo, like, group together i think doom patrol could have been if they gave it the right push dc could have had another like underdog hit on their hands yeah. or you know a hit uh yeah i mean like mark like, you DC, look at, like, i mean the dceu really had a hit at all uh i'd argue you could argue uh you could argue with the first wonder woman movie aquaman oh, yeah, that's true aquaman. yeah First one, yeah, that's first. true. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. But like, also, the Suicide Squad, the one that came out a couple months ago, like, it was good. It was a good movie. It was kind of a sleeper hit. Um, and obviously, it spun out into a Peacemaker show starring John Cena. Um, you know, and Shazam. Shazam was awesome, too. I think yeah, the thing is, that was a good you know, one. We don't really think about DC's movies right now as being super interconnected, and they're stronger that way. Yeah, right I now. guess that's the thing. When I think of the DCEU, I just think of Man of Steel, Batman versus Superman, Justice League. Yeah, like the, the Snyder Cut was great, but so long. Wonder Woman 80 from 1984 sucked. Yeah. But, you know, I like Man of Steel, but I know a lot of people don't. Same with Dawn of Justice. Um, Let's talk about something we all that can make us happy. Let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about the Hawkeye show first because obviously we don't have a lot of information on it. It seems to be adapting the um, the comic book run. I can't remember which one it was, so I'm going to go run to my <laughs> my bookshelf carrying my computer. Uh, what is the comic book run? It was by Matt Fraction. That's it. I knew it wasn't Chip, um, but the Matt Fraction run of Hawkeye is iconic. Um, especially those first like three volumes and they seem to be adapting that and like keeping a lot of the um the feeling of that comic um yeah like complete with russian mobsters in red track suits dogs and i think uh if the rumors are to be believed there is an episode where he goes deaf 
So there will be an episode entirely in sign language for the like, just like in the comics. I did notice he was wearing a uh, an earpiece. Yeah. So a hearing aid. Sorry. Yeah. And I think like basically Linda Carlini having like divorced him and he's living alone and you know his he's like I'm gonna see your Christmas the kids and then he and then uh, Kate Bishop comes along and Amanda I don't think I've agreed with uh, casting of someone who is already a celebrity into the MCU like more like I agree with it's like better casting than like everything from like Chadwick Boseman and Brie Larson and uh, Robert Downey Jr. Like all of those casting choices pale to Amanda Seinfeld for being Amanda Seinfeld for being so like perfect for this role, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Cause Kate Bishop is this like wise cracking asshole who, who just like, she's like, yeah, I'm the greatest. Everyone says I'm the greatest archer in the world. And Hawkeye's like, who's, who says that? Or do you, is it just you that says that? She's like, no yes like it, it's <laughs> perfect and i think that showing that she's a terrific actress she's a yeah. very very talented actress yeah and clint staying ronin and her being the new hawkeye so sort of okay we have the next member of the young avengers now like yeah you know we've already got uh um what's his face fuck i can't remember the nick guy the name of the guy who plays patriot uh eli bradley Bradley, um, we've got him. We've got uh, Iron Lad is ready, more or less. Kang. We we got Kang. That's right. Um, yeah, and they're putting together this Avengers team now that you could actually see the Avengers. A couple of them, like basically confronting the Young Avengers in the first episode of their Disney Plus show, and being like, "What the fuck are you doing?" It's like we're doing we're we're doing it because, and it's perfect because the Avengers aren't around anymore. So the Young Avengers yeah. can come in and try to fill that gap, and then like. Sam and you know, maybe Wanda and uh, Clint come on and like, what are you doing? She's like, we're being the Avengers because you're not here. And then they all sort of look and then nothing happens. You, and then they, like, You think they'll add Kamala to that list? Yeah, maybe. Uh, she's not in the original lineup, but uh, I think she would. Iman Vellani, I believe, is much younger than all the other actors. So mm -hmm. they do. Um, and then, of course, there's the um, who, who's the, the last person that they were going to bring in. Uh, stature they recast the actor who's playing um he, uh uh what's her name scott cassie lang so uh, yeah i was the, kind of bummed out about that because that actress uh, wasn't she the wasn't she the girl from um californication no i, I could be wrong i don't know but the girl the new character the new actor they got is going to be in young avengers and she's going to be in the or you assume because they they recast the role from the actor they had at the end at from Avengers Endgame playing old Cassie yeah. in for the new or the, or the third Ant-Man movie. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of implications. This is those, that's my long ass spiel about Hawkeye done. I gotta, I gotta ask you guys, how would you feel if you were in a Marvel movie and then suddenly playing a character that you knew had a bigger role in the future and you got recast? How, how much would that suck? Knowing oh, yeah. you just missed out on that all that Marvel Marvel Edward money Martin and Terrence Howard <laughs> oh, oh. and uh, like probably um the the guy the Stephen Amell who tried out for Captain America and then he said nah I don't want to do it and then they went to Chris Evans like <laughs> well what about Edward Norton right oh. yeah Bruce Banner who Edward Norton the original yeah Bruce Ed Banner. Norton yeah, yeah. Um, I mean look it also happened to 
I mean, if we go back to DC for a second, it happened to Billy D. Williams. He was cast as Harvey Dent. And then when it came time to uh, um, introduce Two-Face in Batman Forever, uh, they decided to go with Tommy Lee Jones. Think of think of how, how possibly more popular Batman v Superman would have been if Christian Bale had said yes as well, right? Think yeah. Of the yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I certainly would have liked... I mean, or if they talked to Brandon Ruth instead of Henry Cavill to be Superman, Man of Steel. Um, yeah, he did kind of reprise his role though in yes, that. He did, get his, he did get his swan song in uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths. That is true. And I mean, to to cast Christian Bale as as Batman, you would have really had to have kind of gone in a slightly different direction with that the DCEU because he's a he's a very real world Batman. And once you start introducing people from other planets and things like that. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it would really work with the Batman that, that he created or that he and Christopher Nolan created. Yeah. But isn't, I think, I think that that contrast would have been even more predominant and the whole do gods bleed thing would have been a bit less contrived when you had that level of distrust in the Bale Batman. I, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm born, I, I would have, I, you know, it would have been cool to see him, but at the same time he exists in a world where like, the Joker has to paint his face. So, I mean, now we're going to introduce aliens. Okay. Yeah, that That's yeah, a fair point. It is, it is a I mean, a... you had fear, fear gas and you had, uh, it's derived from an herb that's been used for thousands of years to induce like visions, right. Or a flower right. like, for the same reason. I think that, uh, God, this is uh, how, how many times do you think this conversation, this exact conversation has happened over the years ever since man of steel came out? Uh, or ever since it was announced, Christian Bale would not was done with Batman. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that I think you're right. You kind or Matt, I think Matt is right. Unless they had said like, oh, it's the same actor, slightly dis somewhat similar character, but like, you know, and like they should not have gone full bore on making Batman so dark, right? Like in that universe in which like because they're making obviously the Batman is coming out in next year, yeah, um, in March, like. If he, based on the trailers or the, the, like the one trailer and then the one teaser from DC fandom a little while later or a little while earlier, like it's looking like it's going to be just Matt Reeves's Batman Begins, like, mm. which is, I'm, which is, I'm a little sad about because that's he, he'll be the third gritty Batman we've seen the fourth, if you count Val Kilmer, which I do, cause which was, or sorry, Michael Keaton, which was pretty, I think gritty especially that one that movie uh, batman forever where the one with Serena, selena kyle in it and yeah batman returns batman returns like especially that one was super dark um i think those were more noir than dark those but were noir, but noir is fucking french for black dude like it, it's, it's yes dark. but I, I but i think i'm just saying that the in in terms of the the visual quality the burton yeah. batmans had a very different a Burton, the Burton Batman, you could imagine a version of a Superman or a Wonder Woman showing up, and it wouldn't seem as fantastical. Yeah. In the Nolan Batman, that sort of thing would kind of you would stop and say, "Hmm, I don't know about this." But I think that's that was the beauty of the Burton Batman. You could get get to the fantastical eventually. Yeah, I mean, if we if we saw his number three. If we saw the third act, we could have gotten a Burton Scarecrow and a Burton Mr. Freeze. And how awesome would those guys have looked under that designing? Oh, so he was, was that the plan? Had he directed a third 
Batman? From from what I heard, yeah, those were the next two in line to be his villains, and they would have been amazing. E hell, even a Burton Two Face would have been insanely awesome. Well, yeah. anything would have been better than than the Two Face we got. Uh, fair point. Fair point. Yeah. That like this, we, these movies were coming out this time. These these five bat. The, I think the were the how many four. were there? The four, four Batman movies that we talked like Batman, Batman Returns, Batman Forever, and Batman and Robin, like. They came out in an era like they got actors who were not small at like unknown actors at the time, right? Tommy Lee Jones and George yeah. Clooney, Chris O'Donnell, whose whose career is picking up, and Val Kilmer, who's God, like he's fucking dying now, Jesus Christ. But like Michael Keaton and you know Arnold, are you get Arnold Schwarzenegger post Terminator in a Batman movie as a villain? Come on, right? And Jack Nicholson. I mean, and Jack Nicholson yeah. and uh, Michelle Uma Thurman and Uma Thurman and. Uh, fucking ironically, John Glover has now appeared in three separate DC franchises. He was the doctor at the start, uh, with uh, in the start of Batman and Robin, who uh, Pamela Isley was working for. He was in Smallville as Lionel Luther, Lex's dad, and then he was in Shazam as uh, Dr. Savannah's father. Uh, but, but does Batman and Robin really count? Because I think everybody just tries to pretend that one didn't exist. He, all of them didn't exist as far as I'm concerned. Like, no, I, honestly, in my because those all fall, all four of those movies take place in the same universe, in my opinion. They, like, the they are supposed to, but honestly, like the aesthetic of Batman Forever and especially Batman and Robin, like it doesn't it doesn't mesh at all with the aesthetic of the first two Batman movies. Um, so I know, yes, it's supposed to be a shared universe, but wow. Yeah, but <laughs> I think that like I bring this up because if we're going to keep talking about DC, to my surprise, like Matt Reeves' Batman, if it just ends up being like, I learned jujitsu and trained with monks. Ugh. I hate my family. Ugh. The edge. Like, I'm going to be pissed. But it looks like they're going to be going in a little bit, like towing the line between like the Gotham TV show and like Batman, the Dark Knight trilogy. Because you get Andy Serkis to play Alfred, I don't think he's going to be some like little wayfish dude. He's probably going to be a bit of a bruiser, a bit of his like SAS origins now. Because I think they like that about Alfred. And I think I really hate this new Alfred stuff, man. I don't know. I, I, are you guys not? Though they've always a staff after they got over him being just this like flouncy, clumsy British guy. They made him appropriate, and he had to be a guy who. Like this is Bob. This goes back to Bob Kane and Bill Finger. Like Alfred needed to be the guy in the chair and the guy who could save Batman's life. I'm okay with him being a medic. I'm okay with him being a medic. I don't care for him actually teaching Bruce how to fight at all. No, no not that. Not teaching Bruce to fight. Like he was, but like, what was he doing in between? Because his dad—that's canon in most DC, in most Batman. His dad was the, or his older brother was the butler before um before him or his dad was and but what was he doing in between his dad getting that job with thomas and martha wayne and getting hired himself and they and like every comic i sent think since this is like since batman year one establishes that alfred was a guy who like who's killed people who was this like secret agent who is this guy who has all these eclectic skills and that's why he's hired to be the because he's not just their their butler, he's also their bodyguard, especially with uh, at least in Batman Year One. And I think you get a guy like Andy Serkis. You look at Andy Serkis now; he's swole. He's like built himself up now. Especially look at him in like Black Panther. 
Like, I think he's not just going to be wearing a suit. I think he's going to be like, you know, there. And my, sorry, go ahead, Matt. Oh, I was going to say, I also wouldn't be surprised if there were, you know, kind of fantastical elements kind of scattered throughout the film. I don't think they're going to lean too heavily into it, but I wouldn't be surprised if they don't go quite as real world as the Dark Knight trilogy yeah. attempted to go. I think now, like am I the only one? Oh, sorry. Am I, am I the only one who wants to see Andy Serkis do a completely CG motion captured Alfred just because he's so damn good at doing that stuff? Man, enough. He was no, God damn it. He was Snoke. Always with the jokes. Like, yeah, he was Snoke. Yeah. Like, like Andy Serkis, I could really see him being the the gun toting Alfred. With like, like someone, some the Joker breaks in and he like blasts, he like pumps a shotgun and he's like, I, I'm not my son. And he I want to see him after the face the gun. That's the what perfect I want. Batman role for that man is Clayface. Andy Serkis deserves to be Clayface. Um, Star Wars Visions. Okay, the the thematic and narrative beauty of Star Wars finally going back to Japanese style and going back to something Japanese after it came from, or considering that it came from. Ooh. Uh, ooh. In Mylar's, nonetheless, um, Kaya just flashed a Star Wars High Republic comic. But like it's the fact that Star Wars has come back to Japanese style something, considering it's so it was so heavily inspired by Japan and like the Jedi were so, were not just inspired by the the samurai, but were inspired by like Kurosawa depictions of bushido and samurai culture, um, and now bringing it back to that. Um, I just finished the the Village Bride before we hopped on, like the so first episode. Four and Kyle, it was time has seen no episodes. Matt has seen you said two or three. I've seen I've seen eight of nine. Eight of nine, okay. And San, you saw two or three. I've seen four. Four. Okay. So I gotta ask you guys, um more so more so Sam, because Matt's already an anime head. Uh are you in taking the anime side of it differently because you know the creative material or the narrative material behind it is it is it is it landing differently for you no because i'm just seeing it because each episode is so they're not this like there are certain similarities like this point with episode four there's certain similarities between the the three like more traditionally animated with the first one is is just is of jap is just a japanese studio it's off the wall in terms of its animation style and it's very cool um you know, the second episode, Tatooine Rhapsody, was a little more, um, it looked like a little more cutesy, a little more chibi-ish. Um, episode three was like, just like peak shonen, right? Like, I don't care about the galaxy. I only care about you! Or shit like that. And, uh, but it's, but they were doing it very well. And then episode four was just, it was this almost um, Miyazaki-esque, like, type of animation. It was very clean and very bright pastoral even like the villains and stuff um and then she had a, a, a like a it was like the shape of the dark saber but it was a, or a katana and it was yellow but it was a lightsaber and it was awesome um i will yeah. say that that i i really liked uh episode i guess it was episode four the village bride um and ep of course episode one even though it's probably one of the furthest from being able to actually take place within the canon star wars yeah universe but the animation was great um you know the story was was very interesting um 
Uh, so like you said, I am a big uh, anime fan. I'm a huge Star Wars fan. And, um, you know, having seen having seen most of the series, I don't think I was I'm, I'm quite a, as big a fan of this of this vision series as I thought I would be. Um, you know, maybe it's because, you know, it's at least at this point, it's it's non-canon or I, I know like, OK, there, there's one the episode eight, La Pinocho. Um, now, I want I want to preface this by saying I actually like the story that's being told, but it's just it's odd because it, it feels like the planet they're on is basically just like feudal Japan. But then you see a star destroyer in the sky and it's just like, it's so incongruous. Like it's, it, it kind of just take, takes me out of it because you're like, I don't know. Cause it's funny. Cause I said, I liked episode one, which, which clearly can't take place in the star Wars canon. Cause it's a very like samurai kind of Ronin focused um, episode, but, but well, actually the, I way, it, the way it was blended I thought worked better than, than what I saw in episode eight. I just, it took me right out, even though I liked the story, just seeing these different elements um, kind of within the same narrative, just, I, it, it kind of uh, detached me from what I was watching. I liked the village bride because everything within it seemed like it fit together. And I mean, again, you could see a story like that taking place in, 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 in the star Wars universe. Um, I, I episode five is really good. That's the one that takes place like supposedly, even though it's not canon, it would be years after rise of Skywalker where the Jedi have kind of just disappeared into legend. I like that because also it was done by product, um, uh, production IG. That, that is the name, right? Production IG. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm a fan of, of, of their artwork. I would be interesting to see like, anim, you know, um, star Wars anime done by like Toei or uh, clamp, or Studio Kara, or Wit Studio, the, the studio behind the first three seasons of Attack on Titan. Um, because some of these studios I'm actually not familiar with, and and I, I liked some art styles that I saw better than other ones. Perot, man. Studio Perot. Yeah. Yeah. I think with, like, um, so Lop and Docho was the one I was maligning, because it's got this, like, rabbit alien. Yeah, that's, and the one, that's the one that I'm talking about. Episode 8, Lop and Ocho. Yeah. yeah. I was, like, Lop, because... I don't know because Lop was a name. Is like it's the kind of the name of the kind of ear uh, a rabbit has, or Holland Lop Bunny has made me think of it. But like my problem, I think with some of the stories they're telling is that they are so out there, but it's not. It's it's sort of in the space of it's not out there enough to be like conceptual and like yes, this couldn't take place, but it's still really good. Like episode one for me, episode three was like that. Uh, the twins. It was so outlandish and impossible to occur like you know uh that yes it was enjoyable and, in, and or yes that it was interesting but it wasn't enjoyable it just felt like okay you just like ran all like all of star wars through as much anime like as many anime films as you can you came up with twins dark side and for some reason this imperial person has an x-wing like it was almost too outlandish while trying to seem realistic. The fight at the end with like the six like lightsaber whips was just it was it reached a point for me where I was like, okay, wow. So I guess we're just watching anime now. Like we're watching watching any like not just not anime, I should say it's all anime, but watching just like some of the crap that you see on like <laughs> on like Crunchyroll. Well, 
Okay, I'm gonna pretend you didn't fighting just like, talk fighting about crap on Crunchyroll. Yeah, that's the, them's kind of fighting. Yeah, because there's no because uh, all there, anime there is, is there is, but it, it just the way you said it seemed like you were disparaging just like oh Crunchyroll is a great platform. I have Crunchyroll. Um, but what I'm gonna say about that twins one is not as good one, as Toonami, but whatever. Um, dude, the part where they're fighting on the Star Destroyer in outer space and like they're breathing apparently i don't know like i was just like what is happening in this episode so i i, I see your point um yeah and lapanocho like i said was was episode eight i like the story about like um you know uh a, a girl and her father they meet they, they meet this uh this other girl well in this case it's a like a rabbit thing uh, she she's adopted into the family and then as they get older you know one sister decides she has to like take the empire up on its offer because she feels that's what's best for her family and for the planet. And the other sister has to stand up to her on behalf of her father. That's a really interesting story. And um, I, I think, I think a family kind of torn by like whether we should support the empire or not is an interesting kind of thing to explore. But yeah, with the rabbit creature and then it's feudal Japan. And then there's also, you know, the galactic empire. And I just, I could connect to the themes, but I couldn't really connect to, the way it was being told well for me that's why i like the village the village bride so much because i'm gonna after we finish recording i'm gonna i'm gonna probably try to watch them all like tonight like right. after the bride why i thought it was so good was it did mix that like samurai genre you know the lone swordsman maybe their helper friend in that way that you sort of expect it felt like i'm sort of the mandalorian you know, like she's fighting and on the ground. And then there's like some guy who claims to be an explorer who then becomes who's revealed to be a marksman. I thought that was extremely interesting um, and or a crack shot or whatever. And uh, the manner in which the fight occurs is like very classic samurai movie. Right. Like I save the innocent person. And then there's I, I my my sword moves once. Right. It's drawn or twice. It's drawn and I attack and it's gone. It's away. And I think that was that it was perfect. And that's why it was probably the best one I've seen. Episode one, to go sort of talk about that conceptual space, like it was good. I thought it could. It's one of those episodes where it could probably it could take place. Conceivably, there were Sith. And then this is sort of taken place based on the, the way in which the Stormtroopers look. It takes place after Rise of Skywalker. And I think like Clone Wars establishes that like people may use or uh, um like or Clone Wars and Rebels establish, people may reuse the armor of the clones and the stormtroopers in new ways, or they may maintain their armor even after it becomes mostly ruined, right? If everything but my helmet and a pauldron is ruined, I'm gonna keep it and replace the rest. And I think that's why it made a little bit of sense. Yeah, like the the scabbards and the swords and all the the get-ups and the town itself was very Japanese, um, especially with the chieftain of the village being a child. But that was very like sort of stereotypically anime but with the exception of those things like it it felt a lot more like star wars than uh episodes than episode three right episode two tatooine rhapsody was just like it was just enjoyable i think it was very cutesy and very like fun now i gotta ask you guys has it at all stretched i mean you guys have seen a lot of star wars stuff like plethora of it, has it all stretched your concept of what Star Wars could be? Has it given you a new approach to how you, and I make the pun, envision Star Wars? So 
I have a I have a something short to say, which is that I think we've established on this podcast and in private that Star Wars is a whole fucking galaxy. They can tell more stories and they're doing that, but they're not doing it enough. Like I think there's a Jedi in every episode so far. Like it's all about the Jedi. That's that's the theme. Through that's the through theme. It's it's so all I mean, it's gonna be another season and it's like the theme is like bounty hunters or the Senate. I don't like, know. So I'm sure Matt has something much longer to say about this. Uh, to in response to Kai's question, um, if anything, it just kind of kind of uh, established for me more firmly what Star Wars can't be. Um, hmm. that, because, I find, no, I find that answer very fascinating. I, because, definitely, because please explain. I think on that. what I'm you know what I'm saying, and I think it's kind of probably even echoed by, um, but by, by Sam here, the episodes that lean heaviest into this kind of idea of the samurai. Um, work best um, as, as these kind of short Star Wars things. Yeah. We already, we already kind of accept the Jedi are based on the on, on the samurai, or at least the idea of the samurai. But the episodes that like kind of just draw on you know elements from anime and stuff, like the twins, they don't really work so well. So I think as it's, Star Wars because they made they as Star Wars as, as Star said, Wars may be yeah. good. Yeah, that's really as well as Star Wars. Tatooine Rhapsody was good, right? But, yeah, but I didn't think it particular. Well, that's kind of on the line for me. I think it actually does kind of, and it's funny because they go to that pod racing circuit from the Phantom Menace. It does seem like something that you would throw, you could see in in Phantom Menace. It's not like that outrageous, but something like the twins, where it's very over the top fighting, and they're like, you know, you know, they're fighting on a star destroyer, and they've got these crazy, humongous lightsabers and stuff. That didn't really work. Um, you know, the episode with, like I said, Lopinocho with the rabbit. Um, I don't, I don't, th I don't think worked as well. Um, but then there was another episode called The Elder, which again leans into kind of the idea of the samurai. And, and that really worked well and seemed like it could take place in Star Wars, like uh, during the time of the High Republic. So, um, no, I don't think it broadened my, my I, I don't think I have a broader, I don't think I have any broader appreciation for, you know, Star Wars could be this or that. No, I, I think there's still mm -hmm. very limited things that it can be. That being said, there's still plenty of stories in the galaxy to tell, but I think they have to be told within certain parameters. And I think that's what this anime series kind of reinforces. Yeah, I think also That's essentially probably being told that by Disney, like, hey, do what you want. This ain't canon, though. Right. So I will say that the episode, the episode five, the ninth Jedi, which takes place, you know, I guess supposedly on the description, it says generations after. Yeah. Uh, that that better not be canon because if that was canon that just means that it all went to shit again after ray and like how many times does it all have to go to shit let's be honest yeah yeah so so the sense of what i'm getting from you guys about this is that there are going to be really good moments of anime and there's going to be really great moments of star wars but the overlap of a of that specific star wars anime is that's a balance that's yet to be hit. Yeah, maybe, or that it's maybe the show there, didn't quite get. Yeah, but I think that's probably because, as as Sam said, they, the creators were told to just like go nuts, do whatever you want. Essentially, I think I think is what I read. I, I, um, so they weren't they were they were doing it knowing that it didn't have to fit into Star Wars canon. If they were making Star Wars like anime specifically that had to fit into Star Wars canon, you may find more of that overlap. But that's mm. not what we got. 
now I don't know. I'm very excited because I personally do love when uh, properties like this go beyond what was there. And once they're in a new art form, they get to expand and get wild. Like video game Star Wars, you get moments like um, you get moments like Force and Force Unleashed. Uh, sorry, Force Unleashed one and two, I should say. And that property that that uh, that medium gave us a chance to see those gorgeous opening sequences where the lights go out and the only thing you can see is uh, the the, or the only lighting is the lightsaber when Star Killer just pops it and then you know kills a stormtrooper and then shifts around. I love that opening scene, but also the gameplay created a two sword style that was so awesome and people sucks actually but so. i'll say I'll but say it looked great. Actually, even though i i think you know video games are a good medium to tell star wars stories i actually um now sam's probably not gonna like this because i know he loves the first force unleashed i as a game it was great but as star wars i actually didn't think it was that great because jedi cannot pull a star destroyer out of the sky we've never so, seen that i think and, because it was so that thing okay when it comes to like magic and the lore i think I think a strength of the force as a magic system as being such a like extremely an extremely soft magic system, right? Mm -hmm. when talk, and when you're and looking at anything and there's and there's something like it's magic, right? Like technology, Star Trek transporter technology, and a replicator, it's still a magic system, right? It's just science. They just call it science. So like, I think I can forgive that. I think the reason people love Star Killer or they love Gallon. Galen Merrick, you know, Sam Witwer's character in general. That's why Sam Witwer is still, if he comes back as anything, he'll be coming back as Darth Maul again. Um, if, if they made anything canon, which could stay, which could, which would not mess with the new canon, it would be Starkiller. Like, I'm fine with making Starkiller canon. Just well, don't have him pull so, the Star Destroyer out of the sky. So, like, edgy and epic and powerful. Like, why like this is what when you when we play swords or jedi when we like when we play jedi as kids like we weren't fighting and it's like oh my honor oh fuck no uh, everyone is force choking everyone is being what star killer ended up being so that's why it's so much better i will say problem with, with the star wars video games nothing has reached the same level of quality and story levels of like um knights of the old republic or force unleashed like the old republic mmo was like had had the great like opening cinematics and stuff yep. of every expansion but they haven't made one in like five years and yep. the the game overall is not as good as it could be right you look at like you can compare graphics to a game like world of warcraft it doesn't even come close uh but you know. what i was trying to say was what i was trying to say was that gave us a new way of looking at Star yeah. Wars or what's possible. But, so yes, that's, yes, that's yes. what I'm hoping for. Yeah, and I'm saying I didn't like that. Yes. I think that new way of looking at it, I didn't like it because okay. they lean too heavy into the video game aspect. Like, let's do all this over-the-top over top stuff. And to me, that kind of, when you go that far over the top, it's not Star Wars either. Yeah. Uh, oh. Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order is the same problem that my map brings up, where it's like, it's all this video game stuff, but you end up being so low powered and so weak. Oh, I did not like that game and at all. The game is so small, and Cal, like Cameron Monaghan, is an is a phenomenal actor, and you have him playing this milk toast like white boy, and it's so blah. Like, 
I'd like to second that that comment in in pure appreciation. Thank you, Sam, for saying that. I appreciate yeah. it. I, you're welcome. Well, like the problem, I think that with those games as well, and it was the game was too way too fucking short, right? At, like after once you hit Dathomir in that game, and you're like fighting all these like Sith and stuff, and like Fallen Jedi, that's super cool. Like you fight that Fallen Sith that um, uh, fuck. The guy, the second actor to play Spartacus played him in the game. I can't remember his name. I don't know his name, but I know who you're yeah, talking, no, talking about. That, was a, that, was, that fight was brutal. Yeah, that, that was, was a good tough fight. fight. Interesting character. You know, there's a bit of a learning curve to that game. Um, but like, I think obviously they're making the Star Wars Knights of the Old Public remake. So that'll be good. But when you, we talk about like, you know, think about thinking about Star Wars differently based on the medium, I'm not thinking about Star Wars differently from visions it's just reinforcing what i already knew the samurai mm -hmm. shit, the japanese mm -hmm. inspirations you know so i think my problem with like a show like visions is like it's good yes is it giving us more stories yes but it's not making me look at star wars any different like kai seems to mm -hmm. it would because it's the i more samurai stuff knew that swordsman the lone swordsman in the village saving the village yes like two of the four episodes i've watched have been that the lone swordsman saving the village yeah like they like are you like ugh, like did not these studios not communicate or something um and then Tatooine rhapsody was probably it stands out for me because it was like an episode three the twins is just boring to me but like Tatooine rhapsody stands out because it was a little different a little classic a little cutesy and chibi chibi like and fun and you know jabba's not being a total dick and you know boba fett is tapping his foot to a song why not <laughs> yeah and it's True. like the only one that has established characters in it nobody interacts with established oh, yeah. existing right. characters in any other one i mean less maybe in nine i don't know i haven't i haven't seen nine um i yeah I, I would be i would be very interested to see an actual anime set in the star wars like that, that actually yeah. takes place within in, in the in the canon timeline you could, you could real realistically you could make one and i'm trying to think of like a good anime as a template and I haven't watched enough anime, probably something that would be a little less like a little more gritty, a little dirtier, a little not in terms of like sex and language, just a little mm -hmm. like less clean cut than something like a like a your name type animation. You know, you yeah, something very dramatic, very serious. And a, a, and yes, it is anime, but it's made it's made for adult fans of Star Wars. Um, and you could make something like that in a for it and you could explore something other than you could certainly have jedi you go either full in on the samurai thing or you don't even have you like jedi are in the, are in the galaxy somewhere but they aren't a part of it that's why i think them going backwards and trying to make like new eras can be good it can lead to success but like especially with the higher public we all know where it ends it ends with the fucking jedi order being well and, and the other problem is it's like you know, so many good stories have already taken place in a lot of these periods. And, you know, you're just saying, well, they're not canon. So now we're going to tell our own stories. But a lot of these new stories that you're telling aren't as good as the old stories that we're well, telling. Like, this is why I'm looking forward to the, the Star Wars Squadrons movie, the Rogue, the Rogue Squadron movie. Right. Coming out. Is it a movie or a TV show? No, it's a movie. Movie. Like, first of all, getting Patty Jenkins is a genius. You know, she's wanted to make a fighter pilot movie for forever. Her dad was a fighter pilot in the seventies and he died in, during a training exercise. Um, Cause it's going to be a fighter pilot movie. It's going to be a real realistic one. It's not going to be something like jokey and like fun, like top gun was, which is sort of what people look to whenever they think of like fight, fighter pilot movies. Um, top gun wasn't jokey. 
the hell okay. are you talking about? Yeah, the, the the homoerotic scene in which they're all playing volleyball isn't joking. What's at all. gay about basketball or volleyball? Nothing gay about that. <laughs> as the as the queer guy here, I think yeah, you leave me to it. Leave me to it. I I, I don't see it. I, I never I've it's never homoerotic. I didn't say the, the the sport was gay, but my I, I digress. Um, but my point is that Patty Jenkins doing that movie, and I think showing off that in a new era, which is supposedly when it takes place, takes place in a new era, apparently, is, um, you know, I think something we're going to be getting that we've been looking for. But Visions, as it stands, it's enjoyable. It is well-made. They should definitely make more seasons of it. But do I think they're going to be, uh, you know, no. They'll unify their style in, like, two or three seasons down the line. Or after three or four, two or three more seasons, they'll uh star wars visions will end and they'll make like an anime or an animated show that isn't in like a full a Filoniverse show now do you think that they're doing star wars visions to do a test market oh, thing yeah. to see what see which, which shorts then, are going to have the most uh positive response well, and be like all right we're going to go in this direction i yeah, still think I, pixar should be doing a droids show or movie that i mean making, yeah they're but like they're making an animated droid special a star wars a droid story um but like I could I could not I could see them making like doing it this way and then you know they take the three the three they they liked the best and they do they get another six studios that are very similar and then they unify it some more and then that final studio like does the show for them for three or four seasons. Who would um, not want to see a Star Wars show or a Star Wars short done done a la Dragon Ball Z? Where everybody's free. It'd be hilarious. I, I would love it. I would absolutely love it. I think doing something like that is a great way for Disney because they love to be a part of the conversation. They love to be pop be doing well in social media and in like being in the zeitgeist. And doing something like that is a perfect way to do it, right? You know, like people when people haven't talked about Loki half as much as they talked about Falcon or Soldier, right? Like fat people mm -hmm. were talking about it so much same with wandavision you know it's sort of tapered off now people have realized that like oh this is all just free marketing advice and free marketing for disney and yep you know we're not getting anything by doing all this all and saying everyone's saying the same thing but like uh i think them doing it with star wars you know especially considering all the different studios and you know all the cloud it brings and maybe going to studios outside of japan you know going to some of these like taiwanese and some of these south korean uh and like philippines philippine studios that are doing a lot of like really stellar animation as well might behoove them because it not only means highlighting these Eastern or these Asian style animation uh, studios, but it also means, you know, you get more people in the mix, right? You like story people and artists and stuff like Disney is probably take is like using all of this as like uh, a recruitment drive. You know, they'll take who they want from those places and what someone is going to say no, if they get offered a, a baller job at Disney. That's what I, I was think. also going to say the flip side, Sam. Disney will, Disney will build their own anime studio. No, I I think it's the flip side as well, is that Disney needs to shift into mediums to target foreign markets. Because you know whole, Disney's whole thing with China and their whole thing with trying to get a foothold into, into the Chinese market. Yeah, and I think... They're not and, and the Asian market in general. So I think by putting out um, by putting out Star Wars anime series, you get to basically drop the lore of Star Wars 
into a marketplace that's so saturated with its own content that this is a way to sort of draw people towards uh, draw a whole new market into Star Wars as well. I mean, I think I think ultimately what it comes down to for me is I'm never gonna, I, you know, so, some of these are interesting and and some of them may, maybe are a little are, are a little less so, but but still some of the themes are are you know resonate re resonant. Um, but really, it's never going to be something that I I go back and watch multiple times. They're, they're designed to just you know be whatever the studios wanted. There is no. The, no matter what you see in one of these things, it's going to have really no bearing on, on the Star Wars universe proper. Now, they could find characters or ideas in these shorts that then make it into canon, mm -hmm. um, which, which would be interesting. But um, it doesn't, it doesn't, I, I don't feel like I come away learning anything more about Star Wars. So that's why I don't, I don't really think I, I was as interested in these as I, as I thought I was going to be. Now, our final topic of conversation, Shang-Chi. So Sam, did you notice, uh, what, did did your second viewing give you any um, different enjoyment than the first time? I thought that the manner in which they're showing off the Ten Rings in that first initial viewing with you, when it was just the two of us, come, I was very much like, oh, okay, you know, they're another international organization of assassins and shit, whatever. You know, not like we didn't just see, we didn't see this in every GI Joe and Batman movie ever. But then at the second one, I was like, yeah, they're straight up like the League of Shadows. They're making the Ten Rings the League of Shadows because they fucked themselves because they're all of their evil organizations are non-existent, right? There's no Thunderbolts yet. There's no Masters of Evil. There's no Hydra in, in the MCU. There's no Hand. There's no Black Widows. So like they've sort of screwed themselves. And the Ten Rings you need those that, clandestine organizations. Yeah, but like the Ten Rings being that is makes a lot of sense, fine. But the Ten Rings is not the Ten Rings. The Ten Rings is the character of the Mandarin or whatever they were going to call, whatever they ended up calling him, would have called him if he was going to be sort of as that character. And he's called Wenwu, whatever. The name is not important with, um, other than changing it to get rid of all the uh, all the offensive stereotypes, which you should get rid of. Um and regardless of those things as well, the Ten Rings, like, I'm supposed to believe now that the daughter is going to be this villainous character, or is she going to be, like, just a straight-up, like, mercenary leader? And it's, like, a big-ass mercenary army that's going to be a villain in a movie down the line or something, right? Because it said that at the end of the, the post credit scene, it said the Ten Rings will return. It didn't say Shang-Chi yeah. will return. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just sort of, like, tossed through. Like, I lift, I raise my shoulders, and I'm, like, I'm also thinking now that with Shang-Chi coming in and Wong and Wanda, that Marvel, that Doctor Strange, the Multiverse of Madness might be like, much like Civil War, might be like half an Avengers movie. Okay. Um, yeah. Like an Avengers 0.5 movie. Yeah. Because okay. like, you could have, you could now conceivably have Shang-Chi in it because Kang is obviously calling through the rings. That's my theory anyway. Now you're not you Wong. I think it's Kang. Um, oh. it's it's either Kang or it's uh the X-Men calling from the ultimate universe. <laughs> like that's the that's the only other thing that I think it could be like because they're not going to introduce more stuff I think out of left field. Marvel is, is, does a really great job of having one villain at a time, right? That's why they kill off all their villains. Well, I I personally I think uh the rings are going to be uh celestial tech and it's going to tie into the Eternals. 
I mean, Matt? I think we were all, I think we were all uh, proven correct when we uh, all wanted Shang-Chi to be first on our list for the Avengers draft. I mean, that ending clearly kind of sets him up as like the first, the first new Avenger that's been recruited. Um, yeah, he's so powerful. Like Shang-Chi's character, him, him being having that level of power, like a Captain Marvel level of power, it seems, is like a little jarring because if he just if he just ends up being a character who hits stuff hard it's going to be a little lame like he needs to be able to be the martial artist and i think a possible movie in which he gives up the rings or he chooses because they corrupted his father and he chooses to not wear them would be very Mm. very good um and he just ends up being an avenger who's an amazing martial artist right that's why i think who is basically just that with a shield and you had Black Widow, who was that with a yeah. with um, guns, and Hawkeye, who was that with a bow. Like, why not just have a guy who's a really good martial artist? Uh, agreed. Uh, I think that's gonna that the rings may, um, like, well, I, I think they could get rid of the rings if, uh, you know, if and when the Eternals kind of say, "Oh, hey, we've been looking for those. Thanks." Yeah. You know, know, or they get busted during a big fight because he sacrifices them. And they've written the reasons the way they've written the Eternals and um, why I think the Eternals movie may not be good. And that's my fear anyway, like it'll have good acting. It'll have an interesting story, but why it may not fit in the Marvel universe is because first of all, it's so obvious now they don't want to be criticized for like fighting in cities and killing innocent people. Like every scene in that in the trailers for the Eternals is in like the middle of nowhere. Right. Yeah. Um, But also like I could see them making those movies and no one saw the Eternals. No one saw them fight. So if that way, if the movie does poorly, they can just never talk about the Eternals again, right? Even though you've gotten like, or you've brought in like a huge cast of really good, like award nominated and award winning actors, you know, Richard Madden, Gemma Chan, Kit Harrington, uh, fuck who's playing Festus, uh, Salma Hayek, uh, Angelina Jolie, um, you know, fucking Kumail Nanjiani, who's an amazing actor and amazing like writer, mm-hmm. all right? Um. Yeah, like I don't, I don't know. I think what they're doing with the Eternals is they're very being very careful. They want to show off the cosmic stuff in one movie and then probably never bring anyone back except for Black Knight. You think the emergence is going to be uh, X Men related or mutant related? No, they're not doing that. Kevin Feige has shown he loves the source material too much. He's not going to just make the first mutants come along. That's a very and, that's a very true point. Right, better because you you immediately other them if they come from another world, right? Which is why people are doing, um, in in come I don't know a perspective secret invasion movie or a secret wars movie or whatever, um, the one that isn't scrolls, <laughs> secret wars. <laughs> yeah, secret invasion. I still think secret invasion is gonna suck. Yeah, I don't see. I don't know what where they're going with that one. I I'm hesitant because uh, I did not scrolls, read. So far, the scrolls are not villains. They're just working with Nick Fury and Captain Marvel. Unless they bring were, in, unless they bring in Super Scroll and all the Super Scroll supremacists and stuff, and they are the bad guys. And the good scrolls, led by Ben Mendelsohn's Talos, have to have to protect Earth and humanity from the Super Scrolls. Like this is such deep nerd shit right now, <laughs> which is yeah. And I'm just kind of like, all right, you know what? I'm just gonna sucker myself as a Marvel fan and watch it anyways, and just do my best to to red yarn the pieces together, the points of the story together as I'm as gonna, it goes on. 
I'm just going to read Shang-Chi versus the Marvel Universe and the new Marvel event, Dark Ages, where like everyone loses their powers and then the world gets thrust into a new Dark Age. And the team is Thing, Sue Storm, uh, Iron Man, uh, Peter Parker, and Black Panther. Right? So that's that's all. Team? Yeah, that's all. That's all I'll be doing. I'm kind. I'm kind of. I'm kind of over the theorizing of Marvel. Shows. Yeah. It's, so it's, so I guess just ultimately verdict on Shang Chi. Yay, nay, somewhere. Oh, in the yay, middle. yay! It was it was great. It was it was great. Absolutely, yeah. one of their top tier movies. Yeah, yeah. I I, I, uh, I I second that. It's it's also nice to 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 watch a movie that doesn't rely too heavily on you know all the other stuff that's going on in the in the MCU like it's yeah. really self-contained uh there are a few references to other things obviously but yeah, yeah. a little confused on his age yeah. like so it, this is after the snap the blip sorry cuz the blip was the peer it's been established now the blip is the period of time is the 5 years right mm-hmm. and this this the snap and when iron man brought everyone back is the second snap but so I'm assuming Shang-Chi was one of the people who was taken because it's he was born in 1996. He, he's nice, actually. Yeah. He, they've, they've established, like, you, you pay attention, he's 24 years old, right? That's my – or he's he's younger than I am. He's 25. But Simu is, like, 32, 33, 34. Um, I know we have lower decks, but I can't help but want to imagine – Star Trek anime and one that was a lot more political and a lot more um, sniper heavy. Uh, I was just wondering if you guys had any imaginations for a Star Trek anime and and what that could possibly look like. Because anime does do military animes, except they use giant robots. As long as the starships didn't turn into giant robots, I'll, I'll be fine with it. What are we talking you, about? You, you mean like you mean like mobile suit Star Trek? Exactly. I would not want to see mobile suit Star Trek, but <laughs> I would love to see that property, those ideas, make it into that art form just to see where which way they would stretch it. I think um, it would look like into darkness, you know. Oh god, I hope oh. not. So I basically what you're saying is uh just rehashing old plots. I'm just saying JJ Abrams take on like, Star think, Trek God, would it, would be more. I think that's what it would look like. Is there anything original now? Like I'm no. watching. I'm watching The Wire right now. I'm watching The Wire, and then I'm going to watch The Sopranos. And like, God, you. But you realize, like, show comes shows come out in TVs and movie come out comes out and they come out in waves, right? Like there will be an era in which everything is the same, and then it'll change, like. I don't think I've seen a movie or I've seen a, a good movie that is both original, not a re- that is not a remake, a reboot, a sequel, or somehow related to a pre-existing property. Like an adaptation. Yeah. Like, I'm not talking about not adapt. Like, I'm not talking about just adapting something new. Like, do that. I'm talking about, like, Jesus, like everyone is just trying to get blood from a stone now of all their properties. Cause everything's obviously because Disney and Warner Brothers are buying everything up. So like, you know, you get like Paramount and your universals and your your legendaries trying to make movies that can sell based on their very limited like portfolios, right? 
like they're going to be making like seven or eight more Transformers movies within the next five years or something. Yep. And there's but like because they come with pro properties that come with a built-in audience are automatically going to be more lucrative. It's just not the 70s, 80s, and 90s where movie studios take a chance on original screenplays at all. And then you see, but then you're seeing like things slowly getting adapted that have been around for years, right? Like how is it The Witcher got an adaptation before The Wheel of Time did, right? The Wheel of Time is finally coming. They're finally getting a good, a, a real, a, their first adaptation on Amazon come November, this like 15 book epic fantasy saga. And mm -hmm. it took, the first book came out in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And it's, an, it's English. It's in English. Well, because Peter Jackson hadn't done what he did yet. But The Witcher, no, I'm talking about like The Witcher got made before it. They made like a live action. No, all it takes is that you need your property to be turned into one of, if not the greatest video game of all time, and then you will get an adaptation. <laughs> well, also, it, okay. I, I think a I lot of this. I was, no, no, I withdraw my, I withdraw, with argument withdrawn. No, no, Sam, I, I, I legitimately think that the answer to that question is Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings. I think that was the first time culture saw fantasy get bumped up so seriously and taken so legitimately that they realized, oh, this is what we've been missing. Yeah. Let's yeah. put all our eggs in this basket now. Yeah. And let's sign off on George R. R. Martin's um sorry. Let's sign off on David and David's uh Game of Thrones. David let's sign Dan off on, uh huh. The David David Benioff and Dan Weiss, sorry. It, sorry, Dan and David. Um the D D Game of Thrones, let's sign off on everything fantasy. And Game of Thrones was also a big player post lord of the rings because yeah, now, it like, finally got but that that but game yeah. of thrones does did everything is doing everything wrong they fuck up their ending they're not bringing back the guys that made it good for the reboot slash or the not or sorry not the reboot the seat the prequel slash spinoff that they don't need that is irrelevant irrelevant yeah. because like, the fan base is there now now they can turn out as much shit as they want and and people who are fans of the show that really don't care what good fantasy is or bad fantasy is, they're going to be there for that world. Yeah. People who watch the show, like, who are not fans of fantasy, I've figured out, or who are fans of, like, speculative fiction, like science fiction, fantasy, anime, whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, who people who, like, really are into Game of Thrones are fucking huge masochists. Like, or sadists, sadomasochists. Like, it's just the blood and the gore and the sex and the violence like it's just and i'm getting i'm getting i'm getting the sense that like the um, fire and blood is going to be a lot of that um yeah that's my two cents anyway yeah but I, I but i think that that's that's sort of why the culture has been moving this way like my buddy jordan god bless him he hates he he will he does not care about marvel or star wars so he is never a part of those conversations and I don't even think I don't even know if he's even seen all of the Star Wars movies, uh, but I had to drag him to Age of Ultron uh, for my birthday, which was fun for me. Uh, but he's he's basically says that the nerds have won. And that's why it's boring for us now, because we've gotten everything we've ever wanted. Our culture has taken over the mainstream and now we're crying because 
what the mainstream is doing with our culture is so uh, they're they're watering it down so much. And yes, we've become so we've become yeah. we've become culture hipsters now. We're just like, yeah. oh, I like when it was a book. I liked it back when there was no fans. You know, I was watching such and such thing back in back in 1995 before well, it was. No, cool. I I don't think it's a hipster thing. I think it is correct that things have become so watered down because the people who own the rights to those things want to sell them and they want to make money. You know, capitalism. And I'm not. We're not angry at that. We're not angry at that at all. Capitalism is ruining pop culture. Surprising no one. I mean, it's all been a double-edged sword. I think, yeah. Because yeah, it, it's, it's actually, it, it's interesting because uh, I've been watching that show Heels uh, with Stephen Amell and uh, yeah, right. guys from Vikings, which is an awesome show. I mean, I, I you know, I think it helps that I'm into wrestling. But, you know, every episode has to have a sex scene in it. And it adds zero to the episode. Like, I'm not against, I, I'm not against those kind of scenes. But, like, there, there's, I feel like it's only there so that pe more people will watch heels. Mm. Like, like it's, it's just an example of adding things to a show that don't need to be added just so that you can try to reach like the broadest market possible. That was a very refreshing take, Matt, to hear. Well, it's just because it's just pointless. Like, it, it doesn't forward the narrative. We get to the plot in any way. Mm hmm. So I feel like it's just we're just trying to uh, get it to uh, you know a, a bigger market, but it's a pretty good show on its own. Okay, so yeah, thank you for joining us on the latest episode of the Harmonica Brothers Variety Show. Well, um, we do the, aren't we just doing the cold close? Yeah, I don't know what we're doing. <laughs>